Totally Football Show. Today, big threes and big fours as Ronaldo, Icardi and Salah score mo, mo, mo. Elsewhere, four teams, one cup. Man United overcome a crippling lack of football heritage and Brighton, we ask after they give him a semi and Jose turns on his players, is sexual frustration the real issue at Old Trafford? Speaking of wigging out, that's what happened at the DW as Saints got Sparky off to a sparkling star. We round up all of the weekend's action home and abroad with a shock result for Bayern and a thriller at Marseille and still a title race in Italy. Get your questions and more in this Totally Football Show. Woo, everybody. Woo, 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 woo. Yep, that's right. We are hyped about today's show because we've got big Raphael Honigstein here. Hello, James. There's Julien Laurent. Bonjour. There's James Horncastle as well. Hey, Jimbo. Wow. So you know we're going to go pan-European later on, which is great because we're heading into International Week. Woo-hoo. Big games. There are some really big there games. some really good games, yeah. actually, yeah. for a change. Woo. And they might be even half meaningful. Yeah. Hey, speaking of international duty, we're about to fly out of the country to Dublin, mm. yeah, to do uh, the show. If you're coming along tonight, uh, the hashtag is TFS Live. Catchy. I like it. Yeah. FA Cup. Julien? Yes? Did you enjoy the FA Cup I this did, weekend? actually, this weekend. Okay, which game did you enjoy the most? I, oh, I like Chelsea, Leicester Chelsea. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, lots of it as well, wasn't there? There was lots of it. And I just, I just think we should show a lot of love to N'Golo Conte. Um because it was uh, it was amazing on on Sunday, and you know it's it's not so much that it was amazing in that game. He's that he keeps being amazing in that team, even when that team plays well, even that team where doesn't play well. I thought it was fantastic over the two legs against Barcelona, home and away. And I think he deserves some credit because there was a lot of people, there was a lot of question marks. Joey Barton, for one, uh, saying like N'Golo Conte, but he has done nothing in in Europe. Let's see if he can do it in Europe as well, because before this year he had never played in Europe before. And I think he answered all the, the those question marks by being outstanding from start to finish in, in the Champions League. And I think he showed again on Sunday what an incredible player he is. Not, not just getting the ball back, but I think what Conte has done with him, he's improving him on the ball, which was always going to be tough for him because running he can do. There's no problem about that. He can, he can read the game really well, so he can intercept the ball, he can get the ball back easily. There's no problem with that. The, the the room for improvement in his game was always going to be when you have the ball, what can you do with it? Mm. And Conte is doing an incredible job with him on making him like the like a very complete midfielder, able to drive with the ball, go forward, find a pass. Even even his dribbling has mm. improved massively. Is, is Matic having a similar evolution under dare I say it, Jose Mourinho at Old Trafford? Uh, the two different players, though. Matic oh, yeah. doesn't drive with the ball like Conte does. For Did example. he not this weekend no. against Spren? No, he it's a good personality, assist. though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Conte deserves a lot of love and credit. Okay. What about Bakayoko? Does he deserve a lot of love and credit? Peter Hatherley asking, will Bakayoko ever have a good performance <laughs> for Chelsea? Or is he destined to be their worst ever signing, closely followed by Fernando Torres? Why is he so bad compared to what we saw of him last year at Monaco? What happened? I think he deserves a bit of time. That's what he deserves. Uh, and a bit of love as well, because it's, it's, it's hard. I think it's hard for him to move from Monaco, where they play in a certain system with a manager in a team that works, you know, where, where a lot of things are working, including the relationship between the manager and the club, between the manager and the players, the manager and the dressing room, which hasn't really been the case this season at Chelsea. I think there's been a lot of problems, a lot of issues all around. 
And I think when you arrive in this, when you start the season injured, so you, you're a bit behind already, mm. when it's a brand new system, something you've never played before, mm. when sometimes you even ask to play almost as a second striker, which is what Conte has asked Bakayoko to do at times this season, I think it's, it's just not easy to adapt. And I think, I still think he has a lot of, he's got a big potential, but he needs a bit of time. And at some point, the time is going to run out and he, he will have to deliver. But yeah, I don't think it was an easy situation to get himself into when he moved. Isn't it the case, though, I put it to you, that Monaco is supremely good at squeezing tons of millions out of, uh, out of Premier League clubs for <laughs> questionable players? Bakayoko, who's, who's looked a shadow of himself, are you, it's really just time, you think, in, in that case? Or, or do you think, think he was made to look better by his teammates? And what about Carrillo and the whatever it was they got from Southampton for him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, this one is a bit... I think Bakayoko, Bakayoko has, has talent and I think he has the ability to do well in England. I think English football is, is made for him in many ways. It might not work out at Chelsea for different reasons or it might work better under a new manager, for example, um, and maybe a new system as well. I think there's a lot of things that haven't gone his way, if you, if you want. Mm. Uh, but they've paid a lot of money. You know, 40 million for him is, is 10 more than Conte, for example. So I think there will be a point where there won't be any time left and that he will have to deliver, otherwise they're going to sell him. Uh, for Carrillo, when I, I was here when he signed mm. and I remember saying, if you play on his strength, he, 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 you know, he's amazing in the air. There's no, he's amazing in the air. He is. If you don't put crosses in, the guy is, like, is going to be limited, obviously, because he doesn't really run much in behind. Lincoln plays okay, but you know, he's not, he's, he's, that's what he's good at. He's good in the air. I don't know. I don't see them playing on his strength for, for him. That's why I think he's been struggling a lot since he joined in. But they also paid a lot of money for him. Right. I also think with Bakayoko, it's, it's often hard to judge players at Chelsea because it's so turbulent there. You know, after a, a, a successful year, there's always a year of turmoil where new players come in, they don't initially settle, they get written off. We've seen it with two of the biggest players who are in the Premier League at the moment, Kevin De Bruyne, Mohamed Salah. You've seen it with Michy Batshuayi. Batshuayi goes out on loan, is very success, successful at Borussia Dortmund. Right. Maybe we'll see the same with Bakayoko, who, mm. I don't know, I, I doubt they would... would uh, uh, yeah, they're not going to have the, the ability to sell him and get what they got, what they paid for him. Maybe it's a case of, yeah, a new manager comes in, is able to regenerate him after having him fit for a full preseason, or they send him out on loan, as they've done with Batshuayi, no option uh, to sell, and regain him that way. Okay. Rafa, you've got a question about Leonardo Jardim, haven't you, the Monaco manager? Yeah, I was just wondering whether he might be persuaded to leave this year. It's, it's a tough job for him. He has to rebuild every single year. And I think there is a market for him in the Premier League, uh, specifically at one of the clubs we already mentioned, I think with Chelsea, looking for a new manager and maybe Arsenal as yeah. well. I think he should be on people's shortlist because I think he's a very, very good manager. Undervalued to me and maybe underrated as well, which is incredible considering the success he's had, not just in France, but also in the, you know, in the Champions League. There's not mm. many managers who finish third, first, third and went quarterfinal, semi-final of the Champions League back-to-back -back season. Think of all the players that they sold last summer and there they are, safe in second place. In, but I think a lot league. of people, sorry, Jim, sees him as, you give him a young squad, uh -huh. he will develop those players, he will make them world-class players. Or... Did pretty well with Falcao, he's no spring chicken. True, but the, the work with Falcao was all, was all psychologically, you know, more than anything else, because the, the talent was there. He uh -huh. just had to sort of like rebuild him psychologically. But I think... That's, that's maybe the, the question mark some clubs have over Jardim is if you give him already a world-class squad 
can he can he do the same thing? Can he deliver as well? Because so far he's been very good at having young players and making them into very good players. Elsewhere in FA Cup land, Southampton mentioned taking on Wigan a two 0 win. Could have been three. Saints suddenly getting their hey Jules their scoring boots on. Oh God, I hate that. Which is good news since they uh, could be playing them a lot next season. Shame to see Wigan's terrific run, which of course most recently had featured uh, that stunning victory over Man City, coming to an end. But, you know, they had their chances just, I guess, their luck ran out. And they're still on course for promotion. They will be promoted, essentially. So it's it's been a very positive season for them. That's so true, James. All right. Also, through two semi-finals, Spurs and Man United. How? Why? We'll talk about that after this. You can't buy success. Unless, that is, you're backed by Petro Billions. Just ask PSG and Man City. Well, Paddy Power have spent the big bucks buying the best tech brains to make their app better and faster than ever. Check it out for yourself by downloading it for free on Android and iPhone now. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. Spurs, 3-0 winners at Swansea. They haven't won a trophy, Spurs. They're probably not aware of this. But they haven't won anything since the League Cup in 2008. What did you see at Swansea that made you think that might change this year, James? <laughs> well, I didn't see Swansea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, or many spectators. No, I think it was very disappointing considering that um, Swansea. This was their first what FA Cup quarter final in more than fifty years. They were playing it at home. There were a few empty seats, and um, you know, looking at the team that was put out as well, um, it was clear that um, Cavalhal, his uh, priority is, is still Premier League survival, even though they're going into an international break, so they're going to get a fortnight off. And um, they're up into 14th in the table. So for him to, to, to make the changes that he did, I thought they were just uh, bereft of any ideas. The amount of space and time that Spurs in particular, Christian Eriksen, had on the ball um, uh, was flabbergasting, really. And Eriksen uh, was just able to do what he wants. I think um, Spurs seemed to, their tactic was shoot on sight. I don't know whether they'd got any kind of information on Nordfeldt, the uh, Swansea goalkeeper, but they were just constantly peppering um, peppering him with shots from, from um, outside of the area. And uh, it was too comfortable, uh, really. And you mentioned Spurs haven't won a trophy in the last 10 years. Well, I mean, they've had all this season of pre- preparing, playing at Wembley, and that semi-final, now a lot of people are, are raising questions about, yeah, it's not a neutral ground for them. You know, that is their home ground. It's where they've been playing um, all season. They've been looked very comfortable um, there. They seem to have got over whatever complex that they had a uh, long, long time ago. And, um, you know, people longing for the days when the semi-finals were played at Villa Park and Hillsborough. What would That's... you propose? Should we take Should we take it out, out on the road somewhere? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I've got to, I mean, they paid so much money yeah. for Wembley Stadium that they have to use it. Yes. But at the same time, I think to some extent it's it's great when a, a, a championship team or a League One team gets to the semi-final, gets their day out at Wembley. Mm. But it cheapens Wembley in many ways. You get to Wembley before you actually play the final at Wembley. Oh yeah, it's, it's an it's an old drum that people bang often at this yeah. time of year. But still, I think in this particular case, any sort of sense of neutrality is lost when basically Spurs have, have, have know what have played there all season. That. That crumpling sound is traditions going underfoot once again. Yeah, it's heritage, football, football heritage all over them. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, no cane, but no bother particularly for Spurs. No, I think um, they looked they looked pretty uh, good going forward. Although it was easy for them yeah, to look good. Easy, yeah. um, too easy. It's not the game where you judge the the, the sort of cane absence factor. Or not. I mean, you look at that. Um, was it uh, Lamella's goal? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a one-two that starts in Spurs' own half. 
<laughs> and uh, there's just no pressure on the ball. It was it was very simple. When you, play, when you play five at the back, so it's a very defensive. That's that's what they did. You think that because there's so many of the Swansea players in their own half waiting for the Spurs players that they will close them down quickly, put a lot of pressure on whoever from Spurs has the ball. And it was the complete opposite. It, there was no, there was nothing in that Swansea performance. So maybe they got a bit nervous for the occasion because like James said, you know, it's, it's not every day that you play a quarterfinal that you can reach semi-final of the FA Cup. Or they were too cautious, I don't know, but they were... Surely that's not what the manager asked them yeah. to, to, but to do. That, like of Carvalho course. afterwards, he was like, it's David against Goliath here. Yeah. Like, oh, come on. Try. Come on. You're not a League One team. You're, you're a Premier League side who's who since you have come in, yeah. in charge has punched well above your weight. Mm. You know. It's... They've, be, they've beaten like Arsenal and like you know other big big clubs in the league. So they could have done the same in the FA Well, but they didn't. Spurs no. go through to the semi while Swansea get eight cup finals now. Eight cup finals in the league. <laughs> That's what awaits them, according to Carlos okay. Carvalhal. Uh, the first of which is going to see them at Man United in the uh, Premier League when that returns. It's funny, the, the, the quarter-finalists are swapping round in the next round of Premier League games. You've got Swansea at Man United and Spurs at Chelsea, which I think is pretty much how BT Sport announced the, the FA Cup draw. Man United booked their place in the FA Cup semi-final with a 2-0 win against Brighton. Rafa, <laughs> <laughs> have you been following this... But the, the the extraordinary events coming out of Old Trafford. I have been following it, yeah. I yeah. watched all the Mourinho press conferences. I mean, it's really taken me back to the latter stages of his first Chelsea reign where the press conferences were by far the most entertaining part of, of going to see Chelsea um, play. It's, it seems to have come very quickly to the same stage again. Uh, and this is with a team full of potential superstars. So it's a bit weird that he's still monopolizes the headlines to that extent and wants to frame the discussion every single time with these huge statements um, which are really I think quite un- unnecessary at this stage of, mm. the, of the season Do you think there's any basis for his comments with the performance let's talk about that of Man United a 2-0 win over a, a, a high-flying Seagulls team It was exactly the sort of performance that you expect in a game like this there's a favourite, there's an underdog, you will struggle a little bit, you will perhaps not have everyone 100% motivated of what happened in midweek, uh, psychologically a little bit difficult, but eventually their quality got them through. And I think most managers at that point would have just said, OK, we've bounced back, you know, we go on here. He said, after, after Sevilla, he said, we have no time to worry about the past and this is all over and we just have to look forward. And then a couple of days later, he completely backflipped and did a whole sort of um, season-by-season rundown of what United had not done over the last few years. Wouldn't it have been great if he'd had like a, a block of paper and gone fact after each one? <laughs> well, it, he, he sort of did. And yeah. I, I thought it was extraordinary. And I went back to his first press conference at Man United where he... It's one of his first sentences said, I'm here to make everyone forget what happened in the last three years. Um, I guess he's changed his mind on that, that people need to be reminded uh, all the time what happened in the last three years to put his progress um, or lack thereof into, into context. But it was, yeah, it was a strange one. Um, really don't understand why he is going after the players to that extent. Um, I also found it really interesting that he said in training that they tried, that they worked really hard on having faster passes out from the back and getting the ball into the final third further, which seemed to be a tacit 
sort of um, acceptance that perhaps their game had been too slow in recent weeks. But then he blamed it on the personality and sort of lack of courage of the players, which, yeah, was was strange. Very, very, very odd way of managing. I just looked at that and thought he was saying, I did everything I possibly can to make this team better. And the players are not doing what I tell them to do. And so we need new players. And uh, United have given him new players in almost every window. And yet when those team sheets came out, you looked at the two highest paid players at United, Pogba and Sanchez, uh, both were on the bench. Yeah. So, I mean... But imagine, imagine how you feel if you're one of his players. And on Friday... Well, Luke that, Shaw in particular. No, but on Friday... That incredible oh. rant as well, where he basically said they were, compared to City, City have Otamendi and they have so-and-so-and-so, and basically we have what we have. And then on the next day, he gives, you know, it's another slap Is in he, the face of saying like... Can oh, they my not pl- pin those words on the dressing room wall? Is he not providing them with something for the... <laughs> like blue yes. tap? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I just, I just if, if, if you're a United player and you watch that and you mm. hear that, you're like... What's going on here? Well, as you say, Rafa, I don't know why he ends up dominating discussion all the time. Should, should we move on from, from Moo? They take on Spurs in that FA Cup semi-final. I disagree slightly with James here. It won't be a home game for Spurs because there will be 30 or maybe 40,000 Man United fans in that ground. The base more that they it's used the dimensions to play there. of the pitch. It's more that they the used to play The dimensions of the pitch there. are universal throughout the Premier League. Ah, Spurs had to adapt true. to it. Remember, yeah. they're, they're, when they were um, preparing to play there in Europe last year, they knew the dimensions of the pitch were different from White Hart Lane. Mm. So they they arranged that at the training ground, yeah. so they could get used to it. It's true. So, there was some Premier League action actually this weekend. We'll talk about that later on. Of course, featuring a lot of love for Mo Salah in the Championship. You may have spotted Gary Monk getting his first win. At Birmingham, 3-0 victory over Hull, but they stay in the bottom three with Burton and Sunderland. You'll get more of that kind of thing if Football League is your bag in the Totally Football League show on Tuesday with Ian McIntosh and the gang. Wednesday, of course, it's Golazzo. We were bigging up last weekend Sampdoria Inter. James, how did that go? <laughs> well, this is quite interesting because Spalletti used exactly the same tactics that Mourinho has done in calling out his players, being very harsh on his players, provoke them, and what does he get? A 5-0 win against Sampdoria five-nil. away from home. And four of the goals from a player who hadn't scored in two and a half months, Mauro Icardi. Yeah, who won't be in the uh, Argentina side that are playing for England and Italy in, in friendlies over the next fortnight. So, yeah, a bit, uh, bit of respite for... Um, uh, for those defences, if you like. Gas asks, who scored the best backhill goal this weekend? Firmino, Icardi or Batshuayi? OK, the Firmino one is not a backhill, right? It's, it's with his shin. It it's is. the back of his shin. It no, the it's calf? the back of his shin. No, yeah, it's, it's the back of his calf, sorry. Yeah, is yeah. it the calf? Does it come off his calf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful goal, though, isn't it? But that's, not what he, that's not what he wants to do, though. <laughs> Oh, I love Firmino. I love sure? Firmino. That's not what he wants to do. He wants okay. to hit it with the inside of his foot as a back Damn, heel. That's hard. He misses it. He still goes in. It's a it's a good goal. It was like Giroud against Milan or or, or, or Dennis Law. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. But Chouari is far more difficult to realize as well as the. It can't. It was just ridiculous though yeah. because it was it was it's, such a. But he can't. He just hoofed it backwards. But it's, it's spectacular. But it's also the only option he can take as yeah. well. It's the most effective, most efficient but way. But would you ever have thought of doing that? No, but that's what's brilliant about it. Because yeah. if, if he actually turns and tries to shoot, the chance is gone. So it's the most effective decision that he can make is to take the back heel at that time, which makes it what brilliant. What I would say about Firmino is that that is actually the most difficult 
execution. I think the others True. see the ball coming from quite a far while and they have a time to adjust their body with him. He had absolutely no time mm. to react and all he could do is I just, thought it was amazing. And it was, it was in mid-air, I love too. that. True. Uh, what but about Batshuayi's? Make the case for Batshuayi, right? Well, Batshuayi's one was, was, was great, but it came what from was this? Um, against Hanover mm-hmm. and he makes that sort of run across towards the first uh, post, the near post, and just adjusts him himself and just back heel it. Back, back heels it. A gr- beautiful goal. But as I said, I think he had a bit of time to, to go there to know what he was doing. Whereas I think Firmino was more improvised and, and more spectacular in that sense. The Batshuayi won shades of, of Mancini yeah. against, against Palmer. Yeah. Have you seen it, James? Which the Batshuayi one? No, I haven't. Okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I was miles away. <laughs> <laughs> where, where are you? That's nice, yeah. Hmm? What? <laughs> <laughs> you as well, eh, listeners? Never mind. We'll have a bit of foreign stuff later because there's the Champions League and Europa League draws to get the uh, the panel's verdict on. But before that, after this, a little bit of that Premier League. Premier League this weekend, only one big side in action, only four games, of course. Liverpool having a whale of a time against Watford 5-0. Remember back on opening day of the season when these two drew mm-hmm. 3-3? Seems a long time ago now, Rafa. It did, and it was a very contrasting game because this time Watford seemed to be defeated before the, the kick-off, really. They, they just looked to sit, they contained, they didn't really do any pressing. Liverpool had a lot of time. They were just going through the motions. It was At times it was quite flat for a 5-0 win, but it didn't have to really exert themselves. And you could just see that the goals were going to come. They just had to get the ball to more Salah and to Roberto Firmino. And they would do something with this very static Watford defence. And of course the story is, is Salah scoring four and being this, this amazing success. And it's quite interesting. I think it's a real adword for, for the job of a sporting director. Michael Edwards had been getting a lot of criticism in Liverpool for some of the decisions that they've made over the last few years. And this is one where Klopp has just stepped aside and said, I didn't really want Salah, but he convinced me to take him. They were going for Julian Brunt, and who's very talented, but it's inconceivable, James. Yeah. What would Are have you happened? Sure? Do you know what that word means? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, what the season would have looked like if it'd been Brunt instead of uh, Salah, because Brunt has been, you know, okay, yeah, but hasn't turned into one of the best strikers overnight the way, right. that, the way that Salah has. Messi-esque his performance against Watford. I yes know it's, and no. I know you can't say that, but yeah. can you not? Um, I think the way he runs with his upper body almost not moving and he just this legs are just kind of doing this one million steps a minute, that is very Messi-esque. And his ability to put the opposition on their backside too. Correct. But... Some of his touches are still so sloppy and bad that it reminds me more of Thomas Müller. And I think that is part of the, the genius, that as a defender, you often really don't know what is happening with him because he doesn't always control the ball properly and he almost kind of reacts to his miscontrol and that is part of part of the game. So I thought his hat-trick goal yesterday was brilliant, not only because he has three players oh, on yeah. a string, but because... Um, I can't remember which Watford defender it is, but he dives in. And in that split second, it not only kind of um, blinds the goalkeeper, but he also has the presence of mind to dink it over that leg as well. And you, you, I got the feeling that he was in complete control um, in that moment. But you saw a lot of him at Roma. Has he 
has he changed as a player under Klopp in this season? Because he never used. To, I mean, these stats are crazy: twenty-eight goals, eight assists in the Premier League. Well, look, Salah, as soon as he moved to Italy, was an instant success. He goes down as one of the best ever January transfer windows. Remember when he went into that Fiorentina side and was just blowing people away, more with his pace, but also could he, he could affect games with goals as well. But it was more his crossing and his assisting than his goals. Well, this is, if you, if you speak to people close to Salah, one of the things that they say that is, is different this time around is during his time in Italy, he was, he was second um, for assists, second for chances created by Callejon. And uh, at Roma, they really needed, after uh, Dzeko's first season, to make good on that investment. Dzeko had flopped, and they did everything to get the best out of Dzeko. And, and so Salah, to some extent, lived to serve him, but still got into double figures in goals and assists. I think one of the things that Spalletti really worked on with him is um, how he would prepare to get a shot off. Um, because there was a lot of time where they just looked at him and they thought he runs faster than the ball and sometimes his control just is is not up there and they really worked on that. Um, but I do think now he plays with a completely different centre forward to Dzeko. His combination... Oh, the absence there, obviously. Yeah, I mean, his combination play with, with Firmino is great as we saw on a, on a couple of occasions um, yesterday for the goal but also before that. But also, because Firmino sometimes vacates that space... Um, it's a completely different proposition to what he was he was doing at Roma, and has I think you have to also give, give Klopp a lot of credit for I think the system is very very exciting for forwards to play in without doubt. But the line of the club said after the game on Saturday that he didn't know Mosala was a striker is amazing because they didn't buy him to score goals. That's not what they bought him for. They realized in pre-season that the guy had an amazing eye for goals mm. and that if you if you play the right way, then he will score a lot of goals for you and that's what they did. And obviously the Messi comparison is 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 you know, it's it's impossible. Um I get the Rafa's point on Müller. He reminds me of Ronaldo in the sense that he benefits massively of having a very unselfish a centre-forward next to him like Benzema is with Ronaldo, like Firmino is with Salah. Mm. And also, he's that player who comes alive around the box or inside the box. He doesn't do much outside of that, which is completely different than Messi, for example, or even than Thomas Müller. But Ronaldo and Salah are those kind of players that if the ball falls on them, at the, you know, r- rightly or nicely, or even not so nicely at times, they, they will score. Mm. He's polite as well, isn't he? I love that. He's just cool. He's super cool. Yeah. It's the seventh time this season that Liverpool have scored four or more goals. Woof. And the first time Salah has scored four goals. Ever. <laughs> and he yeah. has more yeah. goals himself in the Premier League than Brighton, Huddersfield, Burnley and Swansea. Wow. Just himself. Cristiano Ronaldo got four this weekend in Real's 6-3 win over Girona. He's now got 17 league goals for 2018. Just since January the 1st, 17 league goals. That's as many perspective time as Arsenal, Milan, and more than Man United, three more than Borussia Dortmund, five more than Chelsea. That's Incredible. amazing. It's one yes. of his worst seasons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not. Huddersfield, meanwhile, taking on Palace. Stoke were up against Everton, and Bournemouth took on West Brom. Big win that for Palace. Big. It was big. I think on a weekend where there was some controversy about VAR in the FA Cup, mm. um, what a two-minute delay um, in in one of the decisions that was made. I think in this again there were a couple of occasions um, in the Premier League this weekend where you see well, 
VAR would have been useful here. There was a penalty decision in this no, game which didn't get no given. Occasion. <laughs> no, no occasion. Well, Benteke got pushed over where he thought, yeah, if there's VAR here, you know, that, that penalty gets given. Yeah. Uh, you know. I mean, that could have been very important. We're looking at it now that Palace have won this game and have, have got out of the bottom three in a relegation six-pointer. If you know that, that, that game is only 1-0 and Huddersfield come back and get a draw... Then that's that's a that's a major decision affecting a game. Mm. So, no, absolutely. You want to get decisions right. No yeah. question about that. Yeah. Is, is VAR the best technique? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it's the first win in in, in eight games for for Palace, uh, who had of course Saka back in defence and Zaha starting with Benteke and uh, Townsend. Next up for Palace, they're at home to Liverpool. After which, they're running. It looks. Pretty decent. They've got a visit from Leicester, but it's mostly teams around them. So, Rafa? Yeah, I mean... Are they going to be okay, Palace? They've given themselves a great chance now. They had this really difficult spell of games, um, which made them look maybe poorer than they really were. Mm. They were quite unlucky with some of those games. And they look just like a really decent side under under Roy Hodgson. They know what they're doing. They, they concentrate on what they're good at. They, they're defensively pretty pretty solid for a team who don't have a lot of quality yeah I think it should be okay I think West Ham um, might actually swap places with Southampton and the rest will go down Ooh. Palace are now two points clear of the drop Huddersfield despite that defeat three clear of the drop Stoke are three from safety Mark Canary says is this the season of the Pulis if Stoke and West Brom go down with Palace these are all clubs he's managed that have got worse without him while Borough might go up in the opposite direction, a club he has made better. Apart from the contentious thing about Palace getting better or getting worse without him, uh, it's true though. And Stoke in real trouble after this defeat. Charlie Adam will be banned for the next three three games. So I guess the flip side of this result was the fact that Everton had a win on the road. Yeah, that's Everton's first away win since early December. The other game I Which mentioned Big there, Sam was keen to point out he hmm. was in charge of. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, the other game there, West Brom losing at Bournemouth. That's seven straight defeats now for the Baggies. Seven points adrift. Ten points from safety with just seven games left. And heartbreaking. Alan Pardew described it as because you know they took the lead and everything. Well, West Brom obviously resigned to their fate because they seem to be of the opinion it doesn't matter anymore if we get rid of the manager or not. We're going down anyway. Might as well save the money. Um, and and re- rebuild uh, next season. Or maybe it's just a question that the uh, technical director at the club is Alan Pardew's best friend. Will he be staying with them in the championship then, Jules, if they go down? Uh, him, that, that, <laughs> if he resigns, if they go down, that would take the make, really. Because he, you know, he was appointed to save them and you yep. would think that he's failed massively. But would, would the club want to keep him? Oh, that's another question. Yeah, like, well, that's, if, yeah. You, I don't know, that's, that's the that's question. But if I they meant. want to keep him and he resigns, that would be like... <laughs> really take the yeah. Or not, obviously. Yeah. Um, right. Well, Champions League and Europa League draws. You're up next. Listeners, if you want to combine your knowledge of the footy with your knowledge of the footy, then you need to get yourself over to the football stock market, Football Index. Football Index is a new way to profit from your knowledge of the Premier League, Liga, Serie A, La Liga and beyond. Buy and sell players, build a portfolio, earn dividends and sell at a profit. 
Because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can try Football Index and trade up to £1,000 entirely risk-free. Just head to footballindex.co.uk, enter the promo code TOTALLY, and if you don't love Football Index, you'll get a full refund with a 7-day money-back guarantee. Download the app or play online at footballindex.co.uk and become a football trader today. TNC Supply, you must be over 18, deposit required, and please trade responsibly. Champions League quarterfinals, everybody. Mm. Draw was announced last Friday in Neon. Yeah, Rafa's still celebrating. Oh, my God. Rafa. There were, like, there were cries of yeah, yeah. When, when the draw came out in my living room. <laughs> It's all fixed. The, the Germans fixed the draws. What? So I never ever want to hear. I never ever he- want to hear someone telling me it's it's key to finish top of your group in the group set of the Champions League. I never want to hear that ever again. Okay. Because PSG finished obviously top with Bayern second, mm. and Bayern play Besiktas. Yes. And then Sevilla in the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. second second leg at home Sevilla as well. Got football heritage make, though, and loads yeah, of players probably great. get into Bayern's team. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. yeah. Ben Yedder has just got a French call-up for the first time. Ah, it's a lovely story. It's a lovely story. One which listeners can experience in our most recent edition of the Totally Football Show when you explained all about it. But by then, then he hadn't been called up and Ah. we said he he should. And he would become the first player in France to have played for the French futsal team, so the indoor football team, and the the normal football team. That's amazing. The first one. Yeah. I've always wondered about how transferable those those skill that skill set is. And the answer is not very. But well, Coutinho is well, a yeah, massive the Brazilian, futsal. Neymar as well. Lucas. So quite, in Brazil, you often yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you often start in futsal in Brazil. Then and the more more and more grassroots clubs, by the way, just quickly do mm. it here in London as well. So what? you take the kids to to futsal indoor football mm-hmm. to work on their feet uh, the pace of the, the quick quick feet etc the mm-hmm. technique and then you take them outside on a normal football pitch there you go listeners now those Champions League quarterfinals so Sevilla drew Bayern lucky Sevilla oh, the other way around I'd say yeah alright then um, it, it was it was really along with Roma the the team that everybody wanted to play football heritage and the win at Old Trafford not, notwithstanding they mm. are clearly not quite at the same level as as the other six teams, Roma and Seville. And the fact that Bayern have got the first game in Spain and then potentially, you know, for for a really crucial second leg in Munich is is another bonus. And you just wonder if is your Pank is just one of those managers who just gets lucky. Of course he has a talent and he's you know he he's good at what he does, but t- I think luck is is a really overlooked quality, especially in in management, you just need those oh, kind of breaks. Napoleon always said it was the most important quality Absolutely. in a, in in a, a general, general, but yeah. they didn't have too much luck this weekend when Bayern Munich got beaten. Only their third defeat of the season by Leipzig. Right? Yeah, I mean, RB were very, very good. They've been through a really strange season where you feel it's kind of falling apart a little bit with Nabi Keita moving and Hasnut and Rangnick rumours about them not really getting on. But this was a game where they're really up for it and the crowd were up for it. You could really see just how good a team they could still be if they played at similar levels to what we saw from them last season and they were super aggressive they were very fast they attacked Bayern all the time they didn't have that sense of um, civility that sometimes oppositions take into this game against Bayern where they feel you know what if we can get out of this game without being uh, too embarrassed we're going to be okay let's just uh, hope it's not going to be too bad but no they said you know we'll we'll, we'll beat them and they had this attitude uh, and even going 1-0 down very early on 
did not stop them. They just kept going. Bayern were sloppy. Bayern were a little bit... Um, yeah, they made sort of the wrong decisions at the back in the final third. They weren't quite on their game. Heinkes played a, um, a B team to, many ex- to a certain extent with Lewandowski being on the bench. There was Nayan Robin. Uh, Bernat played as a winger, which really didn't work at all. And it combined for A, to be one of the really the best games of the season. We haven't had that many at that level in the Bundesliga. And a good defeat for Bayern because I think it's bad if you turn in mediocre work and still get to turn up every week and get, get put full, full money. Why are you looking at me? No, no, I'm just saying in general. <laughs> um, and they needed to be punished for that. They needed to, right. to understand that you know if you just turn up with 60 70%, you will get beaten. And I'm, I think it's great that Leipzig Leipzig went for it and, and, and embarrassed them to a certain extent. Okay. Well, Forsberg and oh, Timo Werner on the wonderful. bench as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Werner had a great game when he came on. Forsberg was beautiful. Um, he's been in and out of the team with injuries. They really missed him a lot. And he is still a, a guy that really wants to go to the Premier League. He was very upset uh, when Arsenal's offer for him was turned down straight away by Leipzig. And I think that sort of team will come back in for him because he has got he's got a lot of talent. We'll talk more about the Bundesliga a little bit later on because I just want to get reaction to the other quarterfinal draws. Liverpool taking on City, Man City. <laughs> Liverpool the only team to beat Man City in the league this year. Is this one? Is it quite evenly balanced? I think so. Yeah, Jules? I think so. I, I think City will still be slight favourite with the second leg at home as well, uh, but. I think Liverpool showed that by the way they play, you know, with a lot of similarities in in certain way as City, especially the you know the the intensity and the high pressing etc. They could cause a lot of problems over two legs. You know, it would be a tough task to go through, but they're certainly certainly capable of knocking them out. They eight goals against them. Liverpool. Well, in yeah, but one game, five of them in one game. Yeah, but game. Yeah, but City also considered four in one game then. Against Liverpool, so mm. and that you know, not in the same circumstances as the five that Liverpool conceded in the it's in that a first game. Bad draw for both sides, I think. To it's a great, extent. yeah, it's a great draw for everybody else. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I love Klopp, Klopp's comment afterwards. That it's a dream draw if you're a Man United fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's true because you'll see at least one of your <laughs> rivals in the semi-final yeah, with a decent true. chance to win the trophy, but. Yeah, I think for neutrals, we love that type of game. But for the fans and for the two clubs involved, it's horrible because it just has this extra dimension of, of awkwardness um, that you just don't get when you play when you play another team from a, from a different country. Mm. What did they make of the draw in Italy with Juventus getting Real Madrid, who they've had some recent experience of in the final last year? You mean knocking them out in the semifinals two years ago? That's <laughs> what I was referring to. <laughs> Look, uh, and then Barcelona up against Roma as well. Yeah, um, Roma Roma up against Barcelona. Full and Frank saying uh, a number of players did. Ossi, Florenzi have said this is the worst possible draw that we right. could have got. Um, well, most people would look at these two draws and go, OK, well, that's the Spanish side through. Do you think that's fair? No, I, don't, I think uh, Roma are very um, self-aware in terms of the odds are stacked massively against them um, because they are coming up against, uh, even Pep Guardiola says, Barcelona should always be favourites in this competition as long as they've got Lionel Messi because they've got the best player in the world, they've got probably the best player of all time. Um, I think with Juventus, yeah, last year they knocked Barcelona out in the quarterfinals. Two years ago, they knocked Real Madrid out um, in, in, in the semifinals. They, they seem to be able to manage the Spanish sides over two legs. The problem's playing them in a one-off game in a final. <laughs> so It would have taken quite a second leg 
to the final for them to turn that one around. Yeah, it would, but it's it's a different game, mm. and um, yeah, I think uh, we can we can analyze what happened in that final at the time. We probably did back in May, um, but yeah, I think yeah, Zidane's Zidane's um, said yeah, they were the team that I wanted to avoid. Yeah, he he thinks it's fifty fifty. Um, and 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 to be honest, I think I hear what you're saying about knocking out, say Barcelona, for example, in the in the quarterfinals yeah. last year. But when you look at the Juventus performance against Spurs, it doesn't it, it's not the same kind of side that we were seeing in Europe this time last season? It's true, but I think um, once you get to the quarterfinals, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Really. You recover players, you find a bit of form. Yeah, you look at you look at Real Madrid again at the moment, um, sweeping all before them. You know, Ronaldo's now got 38 goals in all competitions. He's scoring hat tricks in every every week. Um, yeah, I think it's in in that sense. All all you have to do is 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 peak at the right time. And they, yeah, I think what they showed against uh, against Spurs is that they they have that nous about them, um, where you know, 10 minutes is enough for this Juventus side. Um, the problem is, as they always always say, is that Real Madrid have that as well. That you know their their football heritage in this competition means they still play under pressure, but they play under less pressure than everyone else because they have a, they have almost like an entitlement in this competition. It's their competition. They have to win the competition to yeah. save so the season. Yeah. So that is a bit <laughs> it's a mm. bit of pressure because what, anything what else. What do you think, George? What's your failure? prediction of four four quarterfinals? Barcelona, Roma, Juve, Real, Liverpool, City, and Sevilla, Bayern. I'm not very good with predictions that we saw with the Sevilla, the Manchester United Sevilla. Um, I, I think I think Real Madrid will go through. By the way, Zidane coming back to Turin for the first time since ah, he left in 2001. Nice. He, hmm. he played them obviously in Cardiff, but hmm. going back to Turin, he used to live near the uh, near the train station in Turin, mm-hmm. and obviously it was not the J Stadium at the time. But it would be the first time he goes back. Interesting. Yeah. So you got okay Real to go through against Juve. And yeah. uh, Barcelona against Roma, yeah, Barca, and Liverpool City. You think City. you think Liverpool and Sevilla, Bayern, Sevilla, oh, nah, Bayern, <laughs> Bayern. Anybody disagree with any of those? No. no. James, do you want to? No. I'll throw Juve in there. Why Go not? on. Oh. In the Europa League, then Arsenal taking on CSKA Moscow. Rob says saw a fellow Newcastle fan hoping that Arsenal would get CSK in Europa League as it means they travel three days before playing us. But are there actually any stats to suggest long travel impacts the following game performance or is it a myth? Um, I think it's pretty true, isn't it? It is true. Yeah. It is true. Yeah. It is true. They're going to there come back Rob. at like four o'clock in the morning. It's a, I mean, it's a very timely game, this, isn't it? I mean, it's the worst <laughs> possible time yeah. for this draw. You know, it's well yeah. done, UEFA. But even if you didn't have this in a couple of months, you'd have a World Cup in Russia. So, in football terms, is it a good draw? I think it's a good draw. I'm not sure. By the time you go to Moscow, by the time you go to Russia, you know you're going to score against Akin Faith. The game might be over. He made two amazing saves against Lyon in the in the second leg that basically put his team through. That was an extraordinary incredible for them to to have gone to Lyon and play the way they played because they played really really well. Golovin is a wonderful young player that they have scored a great goal. I think it's going to be tricky. I think Arsenal obviously favourite, but it's going to be tricky with the second leg over there, the trip, etc. All right. The pitch what, is really poor as well. What about Marseille up against Leipzig? That is a great mm, game. That's fantastic. That should be really fun. I haven't seen that much of Marseille this year. Well, uh, this, this to, Sunday night, that Jules. was some match, wasn't it? The, yeah, it was incredible. The game were at home to Lyon. Yeah, they lost three two in the end in the last minute. It just looked. Like, I mean, did you see the, when the choreography before the yeah. match? So many chances, some great goals as well. Yeah, fantastic goals. Costas Mitroglou again scoring coming off the bench. Mm. Uh, Memphis Depay coming off the bench to score the winner in the in the last minute. A bit of argy bargy at the end. Adil Rami, 
and uh, and Marcelo, the the Lyon defender, like punching each other on the pitch, and then scruff. Scruffle is that we say scruffle scruffle in the in the tunnel and uh-huh. near the dressing room and then Marcelo's wife on Instagram saying what Rami you want to fight my husband are you crazy come wow. on did Pamela hey. Anderson not come to uh, Rami's defense well she hasn't yet and I don't believe she was in the ground but oh. obviously um, la- so last week on French yeah. television the guy who does the the pitch side interviews asked uh, Rami can I have your shirt so Rami said oh I've, I've already given this one he said no no not this one the red one so Rami goes what the red one, because obviously Marseille play white or blue. So the guy goes, yeah, you know, the, the, the one of your wife. What? Live on French television. It was the weirdest moment, one of the weirdest moments. Since Raymond Dominic proposed to... Exactly. Yeah. And Rami was, it was well awkward. And Rami said, ah, you're funny, man. And then left. But what, what's he referring to? Which red the shirt? Baywatch. The Baywatch. Oh, the shirt. swimsuit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is because really weird, in French you said mayo for okay. swimsuit or football shirt is the same words. Well, that's worth knowing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, a- a- anyway, so she wasn't there, but she missed a terrific game, yeah. a-, a one which featured an absolutely brilliant winning header from Memphis Depay. Yes, it did. And, uh, and Andrew Lang says, was it the best header since Borghetti's against Italy in 2002? It's still not as good as Van Persie at the World Cup, though, against Spain. Oh, yeah, that's so fair. It's still a good one. It's a very similar one to the Mitroglu one as well. But, yeah, not as good as Van Persie. But that means Lyon are back two points behind Marseille mm. for that in that race for third now, who will go to the, the Champions League playoffs because Monaco are certain almost to finish second and PSG to finish first. All right. Atletico Madrid... They produced one of the goals of the season in last Thursday's game. Who were they playing again? Lokomotiv. That's right. And that amazing career to um, Griezmann. Griezmann. I'm not, I'm not sure he means it. Really? I think Griezmann. Which one? I mean. the, 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 the little uh, chip. Is that yeah. the one you refer to? Yeah? Well, Griezmann's yeah. Yeah, finishing off the careers. This is extraordinary. Did True. It, did it come off his calf? It doesn't, but he sees the defender coming. And I think... If if he had a bit more time, he wouldn't have taken it that way. And I think he, he almost like fears the tackle coming in and just, I'm not really sure that's what he wants to do, but wow, it looks good. Top-level footballers, your goals are not safe. <laughs> from the analytical the Firmino mind, one is just, the Firmino, dubious, that's not, Firmino is not what he wants panel. to do. That's not what Firmino <laughs> wants to do. Jules panel. Yeah. Um, anyway, Atletico Madrid will be taking on Sporting Club de Portugal and Lazio get to take on Red Bull Salzburg. I don't think they are called Red Bull no, anymore. No, they're called Salzburg. They're Salzburg, OK. Because yeah. yeah. they've got out? nothing to do with Red Bull. Nothing at all. No. OK, who put out Dortmund? Yes. Yeah, that's big. It was big. Um, huge result for, for Salzburg. Um, and um, they're a really interesting pair of young managers there. Marco Rosa, a former player uh, under... Wolfgang Frank and Jürgen Klopp at Mainz and Rene Maric who's one of those guys who's um, come to fame or first to notice uh, writing about tactical blogs mm-hmm. and is now the assistant coach wow. at Salzburg interesting guy maybe we should sort get of like a shot. Michael Cox or something like that of course Lazio got a pretty exciting young manager of their own in Simone Inzaghi yeah, he almost took quite a tumble <laughs> in Kiev. So oh, I did fear for him then. His, uh, his leg just completely went from under him as he celebrated a goal, slipped on the, uh, on the athletics track and, mm. uh, and almost went boom. But um, yeah, I mean, Lazio's domestic form has really um, taken a bit of a slide. Um, <laughs> two wins in eight. Um, they drew in um, uh, at the weekend against Bologna, but they'll fancy themselves um, in this competition. Um, I think as, as being uh, a, maybe a bit of a dark horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's a really interesting tie. Really. Yeah. Maybe I'm being 
bit unfair to some of those teams, but you wonder if this is just one giant procession to Atletico lifting the trophy. Yeah. They, they seem Cup to football, be, Rafa. yeah, I know, but they seem to be just so above everyone, uh, in my view. Mm. It's hard to to see them. Oh, they have nothing it. else no, to play league, for now. Yeah, the league is gone as well now. Yeah, that's true. I've defeat this weekend. We'll take another break, a producer Ben, and then we'll wrap up things on the continent and some of your questions, and even have a little sneak peek forward at those exciting internationals we were talking about earlier on. Men and ladies of the Totally Football Show, why waste time going to the shop to buy overpriced quadruple-bladed vibrating turbo razors and making the likes of Thierry Henry and Roger Federer even richer by doing so? Instead, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and pick up a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades delivered right to your door for just £4. There are no gimmicks with Cornerstone, just a closer, smoother shave than ever before. And it doesn't just work on your face either. I used it on Jimbo's head before we started recording. Mmm. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see for yourself. And if you don't love your first Cornerstone shave, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Here's a question from Glauber Bertie. Assuming Sarri leaves Naples in the not-too-distant future, what sort of club do you think he'd be most suited to or will he potter around not winning anything like Marcelo Bielsa? <laughs> well, Sarri has spoken about wanting to finally get a, a big contract and uh, cash in on, uh, on his career because yeah, he's, he didn't actually coach in Serie A until he was 56. Yeah, he spent all of his time working in third, second division um, clubs, and it was only when he got Empoli promoted that he finally got his shot at the big time. Um, they're in contract negotiations at the moment, but to answer the question, we've spoken about Chelsea before and how the model at Chelsea is changing to developing young players, the squad that they've got, not having a manager who would be so critical of them in the transfer market and be demanding players and that sort of thing. And He fits Mar- that bill. Maurizio Sarri uh, is all about coaching. He doesn't really care about the transfer transfer window he's not the kind of guy who's going to come in and demand that you sign this or that player if anything he'll just say can you sign some of the players that I had at Napoli just as he when he got to Napoli he said can you sign some of the players I had at Empoli and that's it but he does enjoy question as decisions being questions by women so maybe he shouldn't work for Marina Granovska yeah that is true yeah Sarri so, so, um, I think and this, this is a this is a big point that Rafa raises mm. um, has always because he's worked uh, at a lower level where media scrutiny is not always so high he's made some uh, chauvinistic comments he's made some homophobic comments um, and that sort of thing which you know he has come out and apologised for but yeah, he needs to maybe um, take a breath before he speaks uh, a little bit more often, I would say. Wise words. Of course, he's back in the title race now, isn't he? Because mm. Juve could only manage a nil-nil draw away at Spal on Saturday. Napoli on Sunday night left it late, but eventually the, the San Paolo crowd were able to roar as they got a one-nil win. Who scored? Albiol. Albiol. Yeah, and it looked like uh, it was going to take something like that because you could see the forward players, Mertens, Insigne and Cajon, were getting anxious. You know, they were they were snatching at shots. They were maybe taking them that little bit too too early. And you saw them hit the post a couple of times, Insigne from a corner, Mertens from outside the box, and you could see it was really getting to them. And it needed, I think that's that was the only way they were actually going to win that, that game was for a, for, for a centre-back to come up and basically just take care of take business. Take it by the scruff yeah. of the net. They're now two points behind Juventus with a clash against the old lady coming up 
in April. That's very, very exciting. Having seen, says Paul McIntosh, De Bruyne and Salah leave the Premier League for a couple of years and come back as world beaters, are there any other recently sold contenders who might achieve something similar in the near future? I'm looking at you in particular, Yaya Sanogo. Now at Toulouse, Jules, is that mm. fair? Um, no. <laughs> Is it fair to compare him How's to Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne? He's doing well, in fairness. Yeah. He scored two of the weekend. Um, and he, he was one day, you know, the most promising uh, French player of his generation. Mm. But he, yeah, he hasn't lived up to his position. He will never be a Mo Salah or Kevin De Bruyne. Okay. I, hope, I hope, you know, he probably has more to give than what Arsenal fans saw of him. But he's, yeah, it's not. But Batshuayi would be the obvious answer to this, who's just been electric, no? Yeah. Yeah, maybe in the Jaden Sancho. Ah, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, yeah. How's he getting on? Um, yeah, he just he's coming back from injury, so his his momentum has been stopped or halted a little bit. But he's he's looked really good. With him, you see that he's got a lot of talent. He just needs to work on his decision making process. He does like unbelievable things, and then he thinks he has to do an unbelievable thing again rather than just play the simple ball. Does but his hard drive need rebooting? <laughs> it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. Um, he's not an Oliver Burke. Rafa, there's such a plethora or plethora of bright young things in German management. But the latest and perhaps most exciting of all is Domenico Tedesco. Yeah. Who's he and why are you so hot about him? Well, Domenico Tedesco, his name, as you will not translate into uh, German, mm-hmm. uh, his last name is German. Sunday German. Yes, yeah, Sunday German. And he is half German, half Italian because he came to Germany as the son of uh, Calabrese immigrants in uh, when he was three years old. And like many um, people so of that's his interesting. I mean, yeah, nominative determinism. This is a Calabrian family called Tedesco who moved yeah. to Germany. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, back to the and, story. And like many of those Gastarbeiter, as we call them, uh, kids, um, immigrant workers, his dad, um, his down farm worked as a printer at a local newspaper just outside Stuttgart. And he then, the second generation, um, became hugely successful studying um, engineering, working for a company that worked with sound levels uh, for motor cars and comfort and the kind of sounds that uh, things make when you when you close the door or when you turn the ignition. Mm. Um, and how about key chirps? Did he did he did he work on those? I don't think so. Okay. Um, so anyway, he had a Volkswagen. Yeah. No. 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 He had nothing to do with that. He had nothing to do with that. And he sent one day as a 22-year-old, um, he was still playing at a very low level uh, in his local village. And he was coaching the under-sevens of that local village team. And he sent a letter to Stuttgart saying, I would really like one day just to see how you coach uh, the young players. And the youth director at the time invited him for a chat. And um, he really liked him. And he let him take one under-nine session. And he excelled, whatever he did in that session. And then he was appointed the assistant under nines coach and then was promoted almost every year until he was in charge of the under 17s. Then he took the under 19s at Hoffenheim. Then after only 11 games at Erzgebirge Aue in the second division where he saved them, he was appointed Schalke manager. Sort of unthinkable. So that how, how brief a time span is that from him sending that letter to becoming Schalke manager? Um this is seven years ago. Wow. And yeah. when did he become full-time? Because he was still working at Mercedes, wasn't he, through some of this? He he became full-time in 28 when he took the job at... Uh, okay. When he took the under-17s job at Stuttgart. Right. And then he went to Hoffenheim for a couple of years. And Erzgebirge Auer, who had really this 
super unfashionable team right at the edge of Germany, almost in Poland. Um, no money. Um, were in the in bottom spot. Said, you know, do you want to come and save us? And he really hesitated because he thought, you know, I, this is probably not the best way to start out in management. But he managed to to keep them up. And from that, Schalke, the third biggest team uh, in Germany, the 13th or 14th richest club in the world by turnover, appointed him as manager. It's crazy, isn't and it? And now he's won five games in a row. He's after yet another place. one nil win. Again, the most sexy style of football, though. No, it's not sexy. It's, um, a lot of people are saying he's he's coaching like an Italian at the moment because Schalke are not giving anything away and they win all these games one nil. But I don't think it's necessarily because he wants to play that way. I think he sees it as the first step to be a bit more expensive, uh, etc. Yeah, they're not. Also, they're when not you look at the football heritage of Schalke, it's, it's nothing to worry. <laughs> it's with. quite. Uh, yeah, well, actually, Schalke had a reputation for playing good football, but. Yeah, it's it's super interesting, I think, to just see what you can do if you can look beyond the list of usual suspects and actually look at the work and the ideas of someone rather than his name and his sort of so-called reputation in football. Mm. Rafa, if people want to, and I'm sure they will, read more about Domenico Tedesco, is there anywhere they can... He can English? indeed. I recently wrote a, a little portrait of him ah. for ESPN. That's on my Twitter feed. Okay. Jules, I have a question for you. There are 18 managers in the Bundesliga. How many of them are less than are 50 or younger? 13. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Do you, yeah. And also... <laughs> How many of them are in their 30s? Five. Again, that is spot on. <laughs> no, I thought it's the league I love and I follow. Do you know, we, we pretty much run out of time in, in today's show. There's internationals that are coming up. They'll, they'll have to wait till Thursday. But let me just ask you, which, which single game are you most excited about in this international break coming up, James? Uh, Italy-Argentina at yeah. the Etihad. Yeah. Um, you know, very young Italy squad, Patrick Cutrone. Um, the teenage did you see him? You know, did you see him celebrate? They had a VAR delay. <laughs> they couldn't decide whether his goal stood. And, and Milan's excellent come from behind win against well Kiev, yeah. but still a good performance. So basically, they're all stood there. Did you see this, Rafa? Uh-huh. They're all stood there waiting for the decision. When it comes in, he, he basically then reenacts what he would have done. He, he does the full run to the Curva Sud and the giving it loads under the under the tribune. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah. So that one, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> Jules? I uh, will be at France Colombia in Paris. Oh, nice. Which is not very, well, it's not great. And then oh. I go to St. Petersburg for Russia, France the following week. <laughs> Rafa, which game? Yeah, you unlike James, I'll be seeing two games that actually go um, with teams that go to the World Cup. Um, wow. <laughs> Germany, Spain. Oh. Which should prove pretty interesting. Uh, on Friday night in Dusseldorf. And I'm going to that one. And oh. then it's Germany, Brazil in Berlin. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I think Germany-Spain might be slightly more interesting because I, I don't see the best 11 playing twice um, in, in quick succession. I think he, he, he's more, um, Joachim Löw is more tempted to play his best team against Spain rather than, uh, rather than against Brazil. But yeah, we'll see what happens. And one be, of the interesting really things about that from a Spain point of view is that Marcus Alonso has been called up for the first time. And, uh, and Diego Costa's back as well. Yes, but with Alonso, he will become, I think, the seventh player to have had three generations of his family to represent his wow. country because his grandfather did, mm-hmm. his father did, and he will get the chance perhaps against Germany. That's amazing. Yeah. Who are the other two? No, there are six more. Why did so- you say two? Okay. Uh, who are the other six, James? <laughs> <laughs> I know there's Diego Forlan. Okay, um, did he? Oh, there's yeah. uh, Chicharito as really? well. 
Um, and you know, I think the the, the listeners should uh, yeah, should, should come yeah. in with the rest. You know, absolutely. All right, but not in this show, because now after a quick mention for the fact that England, of course, are away to Holland on Friday, and then they'll be hosting Italy on Tuesday. But now, anyway, it's time to get the odds on all the football coming up from Paddy Power with Pretty Sabet. Thank you, James. I'm with Lee Price from Paddy Power, as always. Lee, how are you, sir? I'm good, Ben. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Very good weekend. Uh, An FA Cup weekend. Um, So let's start with that, if we can, please. Um, Spurs, they don't have a great record uh, in semi-finals. (laughs) don't have a great record in the FA Cup going back quite some distance, actually. Um, What are the odds, please, on them losing their eighth consecutive semi-final? Yeah, we think they got just about the toughest draw possible if they want to win some silverware this season. Um, but many will point to their so-called home advantage in this game, which isn't bad going given that six months ago, Wembley was a curse. So for that reason, we make Pochettino's men the very narrow favourites to progress. They're 6-4 to four to beat United and reach the final. United are 13-8, to eight, so it's a real tight one for us. Uh, we just favour Tottenham going through. Well, just imagine for a moment that Man U do go through. Uh, what odds would you give me on uh, Moo doing a Van Gaal, winning the FA Cup and not being <laughs> at United next season? Because uh, right on cue, he's going a bit, well, football heritage is, uh, is the key <laughs> phrase at the moment. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he reacts because I know that he, he talked down Van Gaal's achievements for doing the same thing. Um, but he's a serial winner. And if this guy can claim the community shield as part of a treble, I'm sure he'll talk up the FA Cup. We go 8-1, to one, which is quite short in my opinion, that he wins the FA Cup and then leaves this summer. But he started the meltdown. It wouldn't really surprise me. Well, he's not in the Europa League anymore. Uh, there are two teams in the Champions League, Man City and Liverpool. They're meeting each other in the quarterfinal. Uh, what odds on uh, English teams winning both competitions? That, that would involve, of course, an Arsenal victory. <laughs> which is quite a leap. Uh, incredibly, we make Arsenal the second favourites to win the Europa League behind Atletico Madrid. Um, and drawing CSKA should guarantee an English team in semi-finals, just like the Champions League setup. Beyond that, it's all a bit less certain. We go quite a chunky 12 to one for dual English winners. I suspect Arsenal will be the biggest uh, falling point of that bet. All right, so uh, that that's kind of the positive. That's the 12 to one on the positive outcome. What about no English finalists in either European competition? Yeah, this is just two uh, unfortunate draws away, isn't it? If Arsenal draw Atletico and City or Liverpool draw Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc., it's very feasible. Uh, we make it evens, which means you double your money that you bet one to one that there's no English finalist in either competition. I'm in. Lee, we'll speak to you on Thursday. Speak to you then. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. 18 plus only, begambleaware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Rafa? Many thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, James. Not at all. Julian and James, we're off to Dublin now. We are indeed. Mm, looking forward to seeing you there, Safe perhaps, travels. listeners. Thank you very much. But don't forget, if you're coming along tonight and you're still listening, hashtag TFS Live, and you could be in, well, you will be in with a chance to win a Classic Ireland shirt donated by our best buds, classicfootballshirts.co.uk. Bye then, listeners. We'll see you soon. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.